Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 419. And they're already started on me, beloved listeners and viewers. I just love this round table. It wakes me up at the end of the day. puts me on my toes. It gets my juices going, whatever you want to say. So we've got a great round table. Um, we're going to start off with my normal co-host, Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. For those who don't know me, I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We produce marketing automation and sales tools for companies that use WordPress in order to contact with their subscribers and their customers. Right. And I've got Uncle Spencer. Do you like to introduce yourself to listeners, viewers? Spencer Foreman from WP Launchify. There you go. And I've got Sally. Would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Uh, it is certainly. Uh, my name is Sally Getch. My business is WP Fangirl. I am the disorganized organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California, uh, and the human uh, behind ADD Kitty. The star of the show, I might say. Uh, Chris, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Chris from Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress plugin for creating, selling, and protecting engaging online courses. I also have a podcast for course creators called LMS Cast. And we've got Walter the Terrible. Would you like to introduce yourself? No? Yes, I'm Morton. I have a lot of opinions today. Yeah, cool. That's good. Not All right, just so- today. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, before we go into the main stories of the week, um, I like to talk about our great sponsor, and that's Kinsta Hosting. What is Kinsta Hosting? Well, they provide hosting only for WordPress, and it's quality hosting. So if you've got a membership site, learning management system, or WooCommerce, for yourself or for a client, Kinsta is probably the best place to go to. I can't sing their praises higher because we have the WP Tonic website on Kinsta and they've looked after us for over two years and they're just fantastic people and they provide all the bells and whistles that you're looking for. Um, staging site, one click backup, latest versions of of the PHP and the two other main things you get is that they build their platform on Google Cloud so you have the best technology on the market at the present moment and also they, they provide 24-7 support and it is some of the best support in the market at the present moment. Their um, support staff know what they're talking about which if you've been with GoDaddy, which I have for the past, spent about three hours this week with GoDaddy, you appreciate that really, don't you? So if that sounds good, go to kinsta.com and tell them that you heard of them on the WP Tonic show. So off, off with the first story. Auto update old versions to 4.7. Walton, like to fill us in on this story. Your moot. I know. I just, I keep losing my window. Uh, Hold on. I'll just bring up the post so I can read the stuff for a bit off. So on Wednesday, August the 7th, Ian Dunn, core committer, 
uh, posted a proposal to auto-update old versions of WordPress to 4.7. Um, the idea is that the policy of WordPress auto-updates should change to be the following. Support the latest six versions of WordPress releases and auto-update unsupported sites to the oldest supported version. So that would mean the currently supported version would be 4.7 to 5.2 and the 3.7 to 4.6 branches would be auto-updated incrementally until they hit 4.7. So the idea is if you have a really old site that's running like 3.7 or something like that, WordPress core would start incrementally updating you for 3.7 to 3.8 to 3.92, right? And all the way up to 4.7 without you doing anything. So it'll just happen in the background on its own. Um, and the way that they would roll this out is uh, they would roll it out uh, over a month-long period. So they would say, <clears throat> from this is decided, they would start posting an alert in the admin panel for people who have sites that are older. Uh, saying, hey, your site is going to be auto-updated to this version unless you actively opt out of this. Um, and there would also be an email sent through the site, from the site to the site admin, saying the same thing. Um, the, uh, well, that's going to cause a few heart attacks, isn't it? Yeah, so the post uh, has... Yeah, it's going to uh, cause a lot more than heart attacks. Yeah, so the post <laughs> has... An, and, and there's a very detailed plan. Like There's an implementation plan that has... What is it? Seven steps. Many of the steps have like two, three or four or five sub-steps to them. And it's extremely detailed and thought out what, what this is supposed to look like. However, the comment section in this, uh, this post, which sits on make.wordpress.org, shows that this is an extremely complex topic. And yes, there is a very detailed plan, but there are a lot of assumptions behind that plan that are being challenged. So the, the key arguments against this that people have brought up are A, um, a lot of like, site updates from version to version are not non-trivial. No, no, sorry, they are non-trivial. They are highly problematic and can cause all sorts of breaking changes and random things. Number two, a lot of people who have sites don't necessarily log in to the admin panel very often, so they won't be notified. And a lot of those people don't get the emails from admin because they've turned it off. So that means they will not know that this is happening. Number three, and this is something that was brought up by Mika, is um, a lot of changes that may happen to your site if you update from version to version are not grand changes that crash your site. There'll be little things like your buy product button suddenly doesn't work. Um, and it'll take time for people to realize this is happening. Okay, so, yeah, but um, Maltzen, for God's sake, Maltzen, if they're running an e-commerce bloody website or something and they can't be bothered to keep it updated, it's a bit of a sorry state, isn't it? Well, you know, some that, of these not That's not WordPress's... But I don't think that's the point. Yeah, WordPress can't make... A, like, the, if WordPress yeah, has... Yeah, 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 like, you know, WordPress, you like, WordPress like, lot. You're just okay, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's like, why are we doing this? I mean, well, so, so the argument is security. The argument is security that older versions of WordPress have security issues. And quite frankly, the WordPress core team does not want to release security patches for old software. So this is the LTS, um, uh, discussion, right? That's like you. You have to at some point draw a line and say, we're not going to support things older than whatever. 
The problem here is actually not that part. The problem is that they are saying they're going to force update people to new versions. And it's funny because if you asked that question to me four years ago, I would have said this is the right thing to do. Because four years ago, it was the right thing to do. Because four years ago, WordPress wasn't as mission critical as it is. And the version updates weren't as significant as they are. Now we have Gutenberg. So this is all of a sudden a thing that we cannot do. Because this will eventually result in Gutenberg being force updated onto people. And that will just take sites down. And it will introduce known accessibility issues in sites. Not really, because you can can install on all the sites we support that don't want to go down the Gutenberg route, which is the majority of them so far. Uh, um, we install plugins that stop those updates, you know, and we monitor it. So yeah, but you're you're th- speaking from a privileged position of knowing how this shit works. The majority of, of WordPress users, well, sometimes one. <laughs> the word the majority WordPress user does not. They will not know about this until it happens, and they will not understand what's going on. And this is like, if you. If you build an entire community around this idea of complete autonomy for the user and then suddenly change that policy. But when did, when did Gutenberg come out? It didn't come out at 4.7. Last no, it came out at 5.0. 5.0. But, but the thing is, I mean, you know, I have had to deal with uh, people's sites where, you know, in order to restore what was, you know, the site had been lost in order to restore from their old database, I had to install an old version of WordPress. And then we couldn't just like upgrade because of issues with plugins. And it it can be a really huge, you know, stuff can break. And the thing about WordPress is that, you know, it doesn't, can't, and, and, and really doesn't want to control what else you have installed on your site. Um, yeah, I, I do follow you, Sally. You say more, you've you got the core thing, Avenue Morton, that you're not too keen on, but is it also the way it, it also just appeared, this document, whatever, how it kind well, of... Well, they must have worked on it for a while, but I, I think the point about, you know, we don't have an adequate means to notify people uh, is a pretty important point. Right. I'm going to throw it over to Uncle Spencer. Well, you Look, Spencer... The thing, I'm, I'm into camps here. I can see where Morton and Sally are coming from, but there's another part of me that thinks, you know, I think it's WordPress is trying to be supporting all this old stuff much too long anyway. I, I think, you know, there needs to be a cutting of, you know, of sites, at some versions. What, what do you reckon, Spencer? <clears throat> at the risk of sounding like, get off my lawn, you kids! I'm going to say WordPress cannot have it both ways. They cannot have an open source software that everybody has used with the freedom, as in free beer, to do what I want with it. And then later down the road say, well, we're not supporting you anyway on version 2.7, but we're going to go into your house Open your computer up, so to speak, and force something into your business is going to break the shit out of everything you've created during your freedom period. And at the same time, why do they give a shit? Because the security thing has no effect on automatic. It has no effect on their upgrading the latest versions. This is my business based on open source software that I'm using for me and my clients at my peril. And I don't want you to come in and change it for the same reason Back when I was 
in the old days practicing law, the first computers came into my dad's office and I helped out on a summer to reorganize his secretary's, you know, green screen computer files for her. The next day when she showed up and all that stuff that was, you know, like all over her desktop was organized, she immediately quit after working for him for 35 years because she couldn't find anything. WordPress comes in, forces an update that jams Gutenberg or otherwise down. The consequences are astronomical. The, the only final thing I want to say is, who is Ian Dunn? Why is it that Ian Dunn gets to come in and be the fall? <laughs> Where is Otto? Stop, stop, stop. Can I, can I just intervene here? Yeah. So Ian Dunn is a core committer. This is how WordPress communicates. A core committer takes ownership of a proposal and puts it out. So this isn't Ian Dunn making a decision. I this is it's not. I'm saying, on behalf of God. God. I'm saying the, like, this is the we problem. This is the we problem, right? Because Ian is like, I am the face of this. Who made the decision? We did. Who was we? Say. I don't know. We did this in a room somewhere. Where's Otto when we. you need him to take yeah, this? We need outside so we he's can in the comments. He, He's in the comments. He's in the good. And, and Mika is in the comments. We miss you, you Otto. We, we miss you, Otto. I just want to say as a final parting. I'm going to have to get him on the show. This, this kind of logic actually warms my cockles because it's getting me closer to winning my bet for 2020, which was that at some point, Automatic will be douchebaggery enough to force some group of people to fork and finally go ahead with something off the main core. And this is just the kind of logic that will make me win my bet in this group. I'm really surprised Spencer didn't bring up the obvious problem of this will cause legal action. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's like that's the happy ending of all this. I mean, this story, and, and just to show you that, like, you know how I keep saying that, Morton, no, that... Uh, uh, WordPress needs to get involved in politics and stuff. Right. Um, so Politico, um, the uh, uh, news site for, you know, p- political people, um, published there um, recently in whatever, like, you know, like, these are the things that are happening that you need to know about. Um, and let's see, how did they phrase it? Uh, under their Quick Bytes section, they posted, WordPress wants to force update old websites. And it links to a ZDNet article that's titled, WordPress team working on daring plan to forcibly update old websites. That's what I put so it. This story is not just in the WordPress sphere anymore. This story is like out there in the face of people who normally never think about WordPress. Oh, it's not bad. I have a couple of thoughts, uh, just arguments for. I'm not going to take a, a side either way, but but as a plugin developer of a pretty big software myself, and I'm sure as Chris can also uh, 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 field me on this, is that uh, like like Morton, you had said, you know, updating old or keeping updates of old patches is really a pain in the ass and takes a lot away from the development team to be able to 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 commit to to core improvements of the of the vast majority of WordPress users who are using the latest updated versions. Uh, I actually, I, I think, or at least the proposal reads very, very well, and I think it's good. Some of the reasons of, for why this may be a, an action plan sooner rather than later and why this is coming out is two reasons. Uh, I tell the, a lot of my own users for my plugin this, is that when we change features to become a more managed solution rather than providing our users autonomy, it's often to save them from themselves 
uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, they could expose, uh, my plugin manages a lot of contact information, which is private. And if they, you know, somehow that gets out to people or they change their compliance in a way that it opens up to legal action, we do a lot of things of which some of them are unhappy about, but in order to save them from themselves. And if people are using really, really old versions of WordPress and people are, you know, collecting lots of customer information and then their site gets hacked and then that information becomes exposed and it's technically WordPress's fault because of a security patch, then that, you know, they place the blame on WordPress for not updating that old version. So I think part of this is to save us from ourselves if we want to use those old versions. If they're really committed to using those old versions, there's Classic Press now uh, that main, that has all of those involved. So they can switch to Classic Press, which was the fork when 5.0 came out. People didn't like Gutenberg, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just, that's one of the reasons. Uh, number two is to maintain the reputation of WordPress. You know, WordPress has a bad rap, has a bad rep in many communities, online uh, developer communities around the world, primarily because of the, the, the things that made WordPress insecure 10 years ago in 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, et cetera. So by migrating those people up, they can start to improve the overall reputation of WordPress around the world by ensuring that everybody has the latest update of the code. So I think those are a couple of the reasons of why this might be a good solution. Maybe it needs a little bit of work, but I think it's, I, I, I think may, may, in order to save us from ourselves and, and providing that good user experience overall is a, is a, is a big plus for me. Yeah, what do you reckon, Chris? Uh, I just have a couple of notes. I need to sit with this idea for a while to really form a strong opinion. But one is I like the fact that my web browsers just kind of update and get better and better over time. I do like that. I also want to highlight a story that we featured several weeks ago where Nathan Tyler's plugin called Plugin Detective was acquired by Pantheon. What Plugin Detective does is it basically automates the update process and then it runs all these tests both visually and programmatically to see if anything breaks or changes in appearance. So if that were happening, like if this, this story came out and by the way, it's going to be bulletproof. If something breaks, it's going to roll it back and notify you. That's a different story. Um, the other thing is I do like with a big change like this, I think an opt-in as opposed to opt-out would be a more conservative approach. And then also this is going to force, if this happens, the managed WordPress hosts and the people building care plans to innovate a little more because that's one of the value propositions is we'll keep your WordPress up to date. We'll hold back if it's like a major thing, like what happened with Gutenberg and stuff like that. But that's one of the things that these core plans do. There's also a leadership precedent being set here. If WordPress does this, then what about all the other free plugins? So this is, this is a big move and it's a very much uh, a leadership decision that's going to have cascading effects that needs to be really thought through multiple like chess moves out to make sure that when others follow in the footsteps that it's a good play I I think one I mean I might be wrong here because I've only had one cup of coffee and unfortunately Spencer has disappeared but I would think that we that WordPress would be more on the hook for security issues etc etc if they take this responsibility on themselves versus the uh, existing uh, condition where it's like, well, uh, you know, you knew you were supposed to update and you didn't update, but uh, mm-hmm. this is your website, your responsibility, your problem. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, you can't blame us for it. That's a really good point. I would have thought, I just want to confirm this with um, Walton. I just think it, Alice, like, 
other critical software like Microsoft, they just say when they get to a certain level operating system, they say you're no longer going to get security patches. You know, we're not going to tell you not to use it, but we're not supporting it. You know, um, and you're you need to upgrade for these reasons because you're no longer it's not going to be secure. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that would have been a better way of doing it. What do you reckon? No, that, that's what WordPress does now. So you have, have to. You have to. Five point on it that works yeah. just fine. Apple's so, Apple's breaking all their new stuff with the T two chip and all the software bullshit. But I have an iPad version one with iOS five and it's been running forever. But if have you tried installing? And break then, have you huh? tried installing new apps on it? Well, you so, can't. But that's the point. I <laughs> I accept you can't use the newest or anything. But it's different than them coming in and going. We're going to break that thing you've had for 20 yeah. years. That's and you the- know why? So, so the thing is, this would never, this situation would actually never happen for a software company that was a commercial company because users pay. And when the user pays, you have a legal responsibility to not fuck up their shit. But since no one is paying WordPress, WordPress has the has a legal loophole to just be like, we're just going to do whatever, right? The problem, like I said, is that the WordPress precedence for the past, what, 15, 16, 17 years has been not to do this. So the reasonable expectation from the end user is this does not happen. Changing that policy is something that you can do, but then you would have to do it starting today, saying like from today onward, if you download WordPress, then... The expectation is that this might happen. But for anyone who's done this, we're going to, we're going to grandfather you in or grandmother you in or grand whatever, grandparent you in and say, we're not touching your... Which defeats the entire purpose of this. Because the clear purpose of this is to upgrade everyone to 5.0. This is just a way of like saying, scrap all this old stuff, we're going to 5.0, the end, right? And... Um, there are many reasons for that, one of which we will discuss in a little bit. But the, the security part of this, if the security part of it suddenly is a reason, I want to know what it is that suddenly changed. Because we had this discussion way back when, when we originally were going to create this um, auto-update for minor releases. This exact conversation happened. The difference is all the people that are arguing for it today were arguing against it last time. Like Andrew Nason was arguing against doing force updates. All the core committers were. And they were using the same arguments against it that people are now using against it that they're arguing against. So somehow the tables have turned. So all the people that were against it are now for it and vice versa. And so there is some sort of thing that has changed here. And I'm not sure what that is, but it's, to me, from a, a... Moral, philosophical perspective, this is not okay simply because you are, you are doing something that falls outside of the reasonable expectations of the end user and you are setting a new precedence without giving people the opportunity to opt out of it in a functional way because to, for them to be able to opt out of it, they have to know that it's happening and the way that we can notify them doesn't exist. For a yeah, while, you've been watching too much Alex Jones. That's what you've been doing. Uh, <laughs> 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 that is a, a spectacularly a, uninformed opinion. It's <laughs> a bloody evil plot now. Oh my god, fathers. All move right. on. Let's move along, shall we? Oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, after five years of $3 million, it, here's. 
everything we've learned from building ghosts. Right, Sally, what did you what did you like about this article? Well, um, there there are a couple of things. I mean, ghost was uh, initially envisioned as uh, a fork of WordPress, as sort of let's get back to the simple blogging tool because things have become very complicated and has since become a, a pretty successful content management system, uh, which, you know, they realized they needed to sort of start over and et cetera, <clears throat> et cetera. But the, you know, and, and I first uh, tagged the story because uh, I know that you like talking about, you know, startups and, and where people get with their companies and, and what they do with them. The thing that really struck me reading the article is when they were talking about, you know, so that here are the, you know, it's like, well, we've, we've, we've been successful. We're, we're basically really happy with where we are, but uh, you know, here's what we've learned, um, which is that, uh, you know, decentralized platforms cannot compete on ease of setup. Uh, and, uh, because uh, you know, it, it's just that they, you know, they spent a lot of time trying to make something that was super easy to use, uh, as as easy to use as things like Squarespace and Medium. Where have we heard this? Um, and uh, they discovered that uh, you cannot do that and still have. Uh, something that's actually open source and decentralized, and that and and that people can do things with because uh, it, you can't be in control of that stuff, and the only way to make it easy is to be in control of it. Um, you know, we spent a very long time trying to compete on convenience and simplicity. This was our biggest mistake and the hardest lesson to learn, because user feedback told us this was what was most important. We deliberately limited flexibility in the product to try to make it more simple, but it still ended up being not simple enough for the average user and not powerful or flexible enough for the professional user, the worst of both worlds. And I think that is something that WordPress really needs to keep in mind uh, in terms of its desire to take on the Squarespaces and Mediums and Shopify's and you know, centralized SaaS products where somebody is in control of everything. And I, and I suspect that this issue is also part of why we keep running into these little problems with Jetpack. Um, and uh, so, you know, they, the, the Ghost team is committed to open source. And basically what they said is, all right, you know, if trying to simplify things is, is just going to cripple the product, we're going to stop doing that. You know, we're going to focus on the strength of open source, which is ownership that you have, you know, that when you have your site set up, it is yours and you are in control and you can build it into anything. Well, all right. Chris, what did you think of this? I thought it was a good article. I just want to highlight the area where they talk about how some of the remote team stuff is hard because a lot of people don't talk about this. They glorify the, uh, you know, the year without pants and, you know, asynchronous working and all this stuff. But it talks about how it's hard as an employee. You don't know when your people are in a bad mood. There's real loneliness issues. Um, 
it's hard to build like camaraderie in the team if everybody's just kind of an island. Urgency, like a sense of urgency is sometimes a problem with uh, team members. And uh, getting to know people outside of work uh, is hard to do online. So I just thought it was nice and refreshing to have that honest like critique of the, the dark side of remote work and being a digital nomad or whatever. What do you reckon, Adrian? What do you reckon about this one? So uh, I actually personally identify with a lot of the points in this as I build my own plugin and, and technology open source business. Uh, the part that I thought was most interesting was was their compa- was when they talked about uh, software as a service uh, wins in simplicity, but um, open source and, and self distributed platforms win in complexity. Now, as I build my own tools, uh, one of the they say that you know they were trying to make things simplified in order to be able to to appease those who are less technologically inclined. And I find myself in the same boat. I'm currently trying to, to figure out ways in order to simplify as much of the process as possible while still keeping everything open source and still providing a serious amount of flexibility for those who are more power users and more advanced and, and are aware of what software limitations are and are not. And uh, what I found to be super helpful in, in that vein is uh, the, the freemium model, is the base prop platform is... Super is, is pretty simple and most people can get on board with it uh, rather simply, but as soon as they need to advance and, and they start to become more familiar with how the tools work and they're more familiar with WordPress and, and, and so on, then they can start adding in uh, more advanced features. Part two of that is uh, they, they, they went, full, they went full, um, full open source and they don't necessarily have, at least not that I found in this article, much of a SaaS component. Now what I've done is uh, I've tried to combine the two. We have our SaaS, we have like a SaaS portion of our business that people can opt into when they install our tools, and that will take them through an almost guided process that takes care of a lot of the nitty gritty setup stuff for them at a at a premium cost, removing a lot of the the setup. So we've almost got like a like a half and half going on. Yes, we offer a simple and open source but flexible product at the same time paired with a little bit more uh, of the SaaS simplicity and, and, and everything in one sort of solution going on there. So that's what I took away from that. Um, it, it's very much so that if you're running open source or you're doing open source, then flexibility should definitely be probably in the forefront of your mind. If you're going software as a service, then that everything in one certainly, certainly wins out. All right. Thanks for that. What do you reckon about it, Moulton? Uh, the thing that stood out to me more than anything was this was the paragraphs he's talking about open source development is largely more broken than ever. Um, where he's saying, you know, he's outlining the same problem that open source has always had, that people use open source products and they expect open source developers to maintain and update that product and add new features as the user wants. Um, so he's saying, you know, um, Everyone thinks that their idea is the most important and that we should work on it right now and they can't believe that we're not doing it. That would be, that's absolutely outrageous. Uh, and then they go on Twitter and yell at people and get other people to yell at the lead developers as if that's the best way of getting people to write free code. It's, this, is, um, this is the open source problem of today. It wasn't the open source problem of maybe 15 years ago. The reason is all of a sudden open source has become a money-making machine. So in the past, people were contributing to open source because it was just a thing that was happening and they built what they wanted. But now people are paying for solutions and they actually want features. So there's this um, conflict between 
this is just an open source project anyone can contribute. And we're taking money out of this open source project because it's our business. And the reason why people are being like, hey, I need this feature right now. Why aren't you building it for me? And then they get really angry. is because they are paying for it. They're not necessarily paying directly to the developers, but they are paying for the solution. And because of that, they see it as a product, not as a, ser- not as a free open source service, right? So there's, um, he's touching on this problem of how we are dealing with open source, both as a commercial enterprise and as an open source community. And those two things are not, they are incompatible to a degree. And he's doing what a lot of open source leaders are doing, which is when they are told, by the people who pay in some way for their services or rely on their services that they're not doing their job. He's like, well, you can just write software on your own, right? And it's a, it's a valid argument, but it's also an invalid argument. It's, this is a structural problem with open source itself. So that's what I got from it. I'm not sure that problem is limited to open source because, <clears throat> you know, I, I think that there are a lot of uh, businesses that have said, hey, okay, so my business runs on this open source thing. So uh, I guess I'm making money from, I, you know, I'm willing to like pay for plugins or pay for support or pay for whatever. Um, but there's also, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are on team free shit and, and are just feel like they're entitled to tell you what to do and they're not willing to, uh, you know, to to pay in, in any way, shape, or, or form. I mean, I understand if somebody wants a feature and they don't have the skill to code the, the feature uh, that they can't just say, you know, respond to a, oh, well, if you want it, build it. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I think there is a lot of confusion about the commercial and non-commercial and who's making money and, and uh, you know, Ghost is set up as a as a nonprofit, and and I don't think anybody is is making millions off it. But um, you know, there are people making a fair chunk of money from WordPress and and from other open source tools, uh, and it's not necessarily a good enough answer to say go ahead and and build it yourself. But it's not a good enough response to that to uh, create a mob on Twitter either. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm going to go for our break, folks. We'll be back. We've got a couple more stories to discuss when we come back. See you in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's WP Tonic.com. Just like the podcast. Coming back, Alton's been watching too much info. Wars. Uh, um, Spencer looks like he's going to fall asleep. Can you even watch InfoWars anymore? They've been deplatformed from everything. Is it like, are you subscribing to VHS tapes or something? Is that how you're... <laughs> okay, no, you can go. I think you can still go to their website. I think it's hosted in Ukraine or Russia or somewhere. <laughs> All right. <That's> funny. <laughs> so, Ukraine or Russia. Yeah, I think on the annexed part of the Ukraine, which is special. Yeah, um, I think Hong Kong Putin still likes Alex. So there we go. Uh, um, so, 
probably true, actually. Uh, he's probably, uh, all right, I'm probably going to get sued now, but fuck it. Uh, um, <laughs> story three. Jetpack 7.6 improves AMP compatibility. Adds preview, upgrade large blocks only, available on pay plans, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. What do you reckon about this one, Morton? Can someone else start this? Yeah, go on. Uh, <laughs> right. this, this, let's start with old cool Spencer. What do you reckon, Spence? Blah, blah, blah. Well, I think this just sort of goes back to the first story, which is the parents came home from vacation and there was a crack in the egg and Joel's in big trouble using a risky business metaphor because this is another example of the paternalism that I see creeping in that is going to lead to Jetpack being forced up the rear end of most people who don't want it and at a price where the key features will be, of course, paid on the free as in beer platform that also jams the update up your caboose. So just do the math here. And if, unless I'm being some kind of wild conspiracy theory guy, I see the perfect path towards you can't be on old versions. We're going to force update you. Gutenberg's jammed up your rear end. Oh, all the good stuff in Gutenberg is paid. Therefore, in order to keep your site going, Mr. Newbie, Miss Newbie, you really need to subscribe to Automatic. Oh, wow. Surprise. Sorry if I'm a little, you know, forthright in my conspiracy theory. No, it could, it could be, I don't know. That seems to be about, about how everyone else and, is. And, and just to add something completely unrelated, we talked about episode 47 ago. AMP has been proven beyond a reasonable doubt to be complete and utter, utter bullshit just to serve Google's interests. And anybody who can argue intelligently that AMP serves any benefit to anybody else in the entire open internet other than Google's purpose, I would love to discuss it freely. But otherwise, the fact that they're using AMP compatibility as like the discussion is sort of a double entendre of how we're benefiting you. Like, it's more like how fast we're going to ram something up the rear end because it's like, who needs AMP compatibility to give away your business in a world where then the site is being forced to do things against your will by the people running the software that's open source? Uh, it seems like the opposite of the world you're trying to be in. Yeah. So, Chris, what Spencer has outlined, if that is the game plan from Automatic and the um, passive dictator. <laughs> I'm not as uh, I'm not as pessimistic. I would say that I would say that's really unacceptable if that is what the um the final plan the destination for this really is. What would you say that that I'm correct? It would be unacceptable if, if this is the the plan. I think so. And I'm not as pessimistic. I don't think Jetpack is going to get bundled into WordPress. I mean, hosting companies do that. They pick some plugins and they, they bundle stuff in. Service providers do that. But this, the whole concept of freemium, when done well, I think really works well for everybody. I think WooCommerce does a great job with this. Groundhog does a great job with this. WP Fusion does a great job with this. At Lifter, we strive to give away as much as we possibly can for free. There is an upgrade path to make to create the sustainability of the business and the project. 
if there is a nudge, if you have lifter LMS, we have blocks. We don't have nudges in our blocks. But if you were, I could see, oh, that might be an interesting way. Again, this is where, you know, this is what Automatic is doing. It's like a leadership thing. I'm like, oh, maybe this is kind of the new way to freemium. But this whole model breaks when you give away a unacceptable, unfunctional, free front end that just does nothing but nag and adds no value. Then it's, then it's really annoying and it's really distracting and it's not useful. But I think when done well, um, having blocks that add value that can then, you can then upgrade to having them be even more powerful is not a bad thing. Well, there's nothing wrong with you know paying for for blocks or the existence of of upgrades, um, but you know the thing that I first saw people talking about on on Twitter before looking at this article was precisely that you know there seems to be a little a bit of a double standard applied here that you know they're <clears throat> attempting to. Uh, keep out other people's nags, uh, but include. Uh, the ones from automatic and you know is it like okay well if this it becomes a precedent what happens when everybody else does it and if it doesn't become a precedent how do you justify it i, I have to say one of the things that struck me the most by reading the story this morning was that the comments all seemed to be very civilized which is darned unusual uh, on the tavern but i was also startled at the degree to which uh, the people behind this move were defending it. Um, you know, we 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 had a little uh, bit of of backing off uh, not too long ago when something was introduced where everybody was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! What the you know, <clears throat> expletive deleted? Uh, do you think you're doing here?" I suppose it really depends if you, if you can run a WordPress website without Jetpack. You know, if they, I think the day when they, when they force... I usually do. It's just, the, it's, not, it's, it's not about the plugin. It's about what we're going to talk about in the next story with ad blocking. There's a battle that is always going out in commercial software, which is exemplified by ad blockers, where company says, I want to jam ads on you. Somebody comes up with a thing to block it. Then the ad recipients or the people that are publishing say, well, we'll come up with a blocker blocker and blocker 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 blocker. WordPress right now has this horrible problem that we discuss all the time about the admin area being abused by everybody, including and especially automatic with Jetpack. And yet Otto's right in there with the club beating everybody up over their crappy plugins that are spamware. And yet Otto in a very civilized manner says, eight years ago, we defined what fake services are and ours is never fake. Everything else here is fake, which is just when you read it objectively, not true. Jetpack is the spammiest of the spammy, and it induces people who have no basic understanding of WordPress to commit to a service for free that gets them all hooked into things that when they disable them, break the shit out of their site and causes them to double up on things that are otherwise available for free by other authors in the repository or by commercial vendors. And so this whole idea is this, do as I say, not as I do. We're going to force update you. We're going to like, you know, create this. We'll cause essentially the same thing as ad blockers. Somebody's going to come up with a block updates for WordPress plugin. Then they're going to come up with a, you know, a block the blocker for WordPress updates. And then we're all going to be left with Microsoft Windows 95 on our WordPress installations. It's going to be horrible. I think that's a, they're being a bit depressive, aren't they, Adrian? Do you think it's because of their age or something? 
get off uh, my line. There we go. Unmuted. Shut up, um, over there you should be shouting out right now <laughs> i think I, I i go perusing through the comments i think i think the biggest gripe just comes down to user experience uh and to as i to defend the 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 implementation it is being tested uh so it's not it's not set in stone uh, and a lot of people were providing useful feedback that, to the credit of the original poster or the original person from Automatic who said this is going to be a new thing, they were right in there saying, hey, listen, we hear your feedback and I'll take this back to the team. So to their credit, they're doing that. The biggest gripe that people had that at least I read was that uh, people would be able to select a block that was in the builder, but only upon that ins being inserted into the content was it revealed that it was a premium block. Now, if there, so that was the biggest gripe that I saw. Now, if they just solved that bit of UX, everybody seems to be like that. Okay, we would be go okay with that because maybe there's like a little icon with like a dollar sign on it or like a little P that says this is a premium block. So people are aware that what they're about to do is in, is check out some sort of premium content. That is something that we do in Groundhog. We have steps that, the, for example, the SMS step in our own plugin. Uh, requires our software as a service solution, our sending service, uh, which will broker the uh, the WordPress website to an, an SMS portal or whatever. And we say, hey, listen, this is a premium service. Do you want it? Go buy it, right? And that's our little like nudge within the funnel builder itself. So I totally understand where they're coming from. And I think that if people want to be able to, to uh, find that functionality, not everybody knows to go to Google and type stuff in, as obvious as it may seem. In order to be able to stick that, it's like if they have automatic installed to say, well, you know what, that feature or that feature might actually be really useful to me and I'm willing to sacrifice X amount of dollars in order to have it, just as long as they're aware before clicking on it, inserting it into the content that it's a premium add-on. And I think that little bit of UX design might help in order to clear things up and make everything seem a little bit more kosher. Yeah, so it's, it's all down to UX design, isn't it? What do no, you reckon, Martin? No, it's not. No, no. I thought you were going to say that. Whose problem are we solving here? <laughs> Whose problem is this solution solving? Think about it. Automatic is arguing that this problem is that people who already have Jetpack installed need a feature that Jetpack is providing for a fee but the user is not aware of it, so they go somewhere else to find that feature. That somewhere else could be a free version of something, or it could be a paid plugin from somewhere else. This is not a user problem. This is Automatic's problem, and that they are they've bundled so much crap into one plugin that people don't know what that plugin provides. They're they're trying they don't to don't make it very easy to find out either. They're trying to re-engineer the way WordPress behaves to solve their marketing problem. This has nothing to do with the user. This doesn't benefit the user in any way unless you argue that being able to be aware of products that you can purchase is beneficial to the user. But the user will know to go looking for blocks because that functionality already exists. The user will know to go look for plugins. The problem here isn't that those functionalities don't exist. The problem here for Automatic is that they have created a plugin that doesn't make it clear to the user what it can do. So now they're trying to make WordPress do their bidding it's for because them. Because it does too many darned unrelated exactly. things. Which is the problem. Like when Jetpack was first released way back in like 1847 or something like that, <laughs> when one of my friends was working on the team, I was like, this is, a, this is a Trojan horse. Like, what the fuck is this? How is this allowed? This is very clearly a Trojan horse. This is going to have a crap ton of things that you guys sell. It's going to be inside. You're creating a little marketplace inside a plugin. 
And you're doing all the things that aren't allowed to do. Like you're bundling features in one plugin. You're making it completely impossible for users to know what's there because you're going to keep updating it. This is just crazy. And they'll go, no, 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 it's fine. It's not going to be that. Of course, that's what it is now. And this, again, like this, just like all the other crap that uh, Jetpack has been trying to do lately, because this bookends very nicely with their previous attempts at um, marketing for features in Jetpack, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. About two months ago, three months ago. It was not were, long ago. And, and they were trying to do the exact well same received. Thing, but it wasn't blocks, it was features in Jetpacks. They were saying if you search for um, you know, a, a type of form thing, Jetpack would be like, hey, 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 you don't need to do that. You don't need to go somewhere else. You can get it from us for money and then buy it from us instead. So this is the same thing just on the block, um, in the block context. It solves a problem for automatic. The problem automatic has is marketing. This is not a solution that solves a problem for the end user. If it was a solution that solved a problem for the end user, they wouldn't approach it like this. They wouldn't approach it like try to shoehorn it in underneath and no one notices and be like, oh, we're just going to fix the UX and everything will be fine. This is not a UX problem. This is a marketing problem from their end. And to the whole conspiracy theory, Matt Madeira's um, Matt Madeiros posted this very interesting thing on Twitter yesterday that said, I'll say it again. In around three years' time, Visit.org and see free WordPress powered by Jetpack hosted WordPress one-click setup to affiliated EIG hosts and the best way to experience WordPress at .com. Displayed in your typical SaaS price grid and below that in eight-point font, download zip. That's where we're headed right now. You could be right. Well, I... I'm just going to put this to Chris and then move on to the fi- probably the final story. Uh, um, I, I, I never really understood this fixation that automatic and obviously the 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 king obviously um, has with this freaking jetpack because they're, 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 there's loads and loads of other ways of making money from open source. Look at Linux. You know, they provide consultation. What 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 do you think, Chris? Because I I think this whole fixation. I'm, I'm not sure about what Walton and Matt Medeiros and Spencer are outlining, um, but I've never liked Jetpack, Chris. I, I thought it was a heap of shit at best, uh, um, and I thought it's really discrediting automatic and causing a load of. Uh, and I don't think it's that profitable, you know. What do you reckon, Chris? Am I talking nonsense? So there's a saying in software that free is not a business model, it's a distribution strategy. So I think that's just something to be aware of in the freemium space. And the more, like if in the for-profit SaaS world, that's, that's something you would hear. In WordPress, with a free open source project, uh, it, it appears like what Matt Medeiros is saying with like, is like the traditional for-profit SaaS. Yeah, that's and like the reason it says eight-point font is because we still believe in this, but we're not really trying to put focus on it because this is not our business model. But it still exists and it's here and it's a distribution um, strategy and we're not trying to hide it or whatever. So that's... <clears throat> that's what that is. If it's an eight-point font, they're trying to hide it. Yeah, yeah, they're not. They're not focusing on it. But there's also this difference where Automatic is a for-profit company, and then there's the WordPress Foundation. So it's just kind of a 
from a leadership and a philosophy standpoint, I think there needs to be more separation between Automatic the business and WordPress the project. A lot of this kind of conflict of interest stuff arises um, because Automatic, rightfully, because they've had a lot of influence and put a lot into the project, but then pushing a marketing agenda in the product uh, for everybody, it's, 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 it feels really close. So that's where the issue is, which is why Morton's working on the, the, on the leadership project and just bring more transparency to what's going on because governance is needed here. This is, how does this nonprofit that is WordPress interact with this for-profit that is automatic and it affects everybody? So I think we're sorting through this, but I mean, it, automatic's just behaving more and more like a business. Jetpack is their product. Um, it is like a ultimate add-ons for WordPress kind of product. There are other plugins like that out there that you know add all kinds of stuff instead of doing one thing. Um, so yes, let, yeah. us, let us do everything badly instead of one thing well. I'd encourage people to, if you really want to get into issue, we were talking about the year without pants, which was written by somebody who worked at Automatic for a while. And there's a whole story in there. I, I can't recite it because I don't remember it in detail where they talk about the birth of Jetpack. And um, I just encourage people who are interested in that topic to check out that book called The Year Without Pants. Oh, right. But I always thought it was crap. Uh, well, Year Without Pants? That sounds like crap. Don't have the book. Just a whole year without. <laughs> sounds terrible. Uh, that, that, that would be very unpleasant. Yes. Um, uh, it's my freelance career. If, if if we ignore the conspiracy theories and everything else, consider the precedence set here. This turns the block editor and the block selector into a marketplace. Yeah. Like the the end result of this is like nightmarish ads everywhere within that box that gives you blocks. Imagine people going like, I'm going to add a paragraph block and there's like 800 to paragraph blocks. Anything. Yeah, it'll be like 800 different paragraph blocks. Half no, of which no, are no, you know why it won't, Martin? Because they won't let anybody do it except for them. And Otto will make sure to distinguish everybody else's advertising and spamming, but it's okay for Jeff. Yeah. That's how the, the father-mother babysitting will happen, right? We had, a like, show, we had a show along. I enjoyed your Kant quote in the comments. That was the. Yeah. I think we had a show a while ago about this on this WP Tonic panel about how plugins and themes and now blocks are surfaced in a search. I think that's where the real issue is. Is like right. what what how who who goes to the top and why and how does it work? How is it ungameable? I mean, it really should, as a vision and as a goal, be as good as like a Google algorithm or something. It needs to be unbiased. I'm not saying Google algorithm isn't biased, but the search, I think, needs some work. And if somebody has undue influence to float something to the top and for people to not tell what's free and paid, that's 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 where I think the most bang for your buck is for innovation. Yeah, and the reason why I don't totally agree with you, Paul Spencer, is not for idealistic reasons that I believe in Matt the Prince. Uh, um, it's just for practical reasons. I, I just cannot believe that he's going to be prepared to piss off all the developer community, all the sub-plugging community, all of it. Throw it out with the baby. You know, piss off Chris here, piss off Adrian here, piss off all the... All, all, literally all the third-party um, developer community, 
uh, um, which has built WordPress to what it is. I just don't believe he would be dumb enough to do that. But he this doesn't that. piss off the plugin developer because they're all seeing cash come in from this. Well, the, right. I mean, I think I think the plugin developers are saying, all right, if you can do that, yeah. I can. That. This just opens, that's what I said, this opens a new marketplace for plugin developers and they're all like, yeah, look at Adrian's face right now. He's like, <laughs> money, right? It's, and Chris is like, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. I'm like, I got a wasp in my office. Right there. There are a wasp in my office. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is, the precedence here is not great. It goes against what the user needs. It also sets an unreasonable expectation for everyone involved. It's just a bad idea. I don't understand why. I mean, I know why, but it is an objective question, like rhetorical. Why does Automatic have to induce their own business stuff into the open source? Why don't they just stick with what they've got, which is here is our service that is our best improved version of us setting up WordPress for you, like WordPress.com, that has all of our jammed up your wazoo kind of options and leave the other thing the way that most people want it, which is not having ads in the the block editor, not having this and that. Because I don't understand, like the hypocrisy is so seemingly patently obvious that why just not stay in their lane? And then the people who need that will take that. I mean, what's... Because Jetpack is auto-installed in so many hosting services. A Jetpack is almost like a kismet now. It's like you, you install WordPress, you get Jetpack with it. This is why is that? Why is that? This is why yeah, I, that know, is I know. I know. Good question. Oh, we got here. Yeah. I'm saying if we were gonna if we we're gonna induce a like do over, I'm saying let's accept Jetpack is a Trojan horse. We all agree on that, and say from this day forward, any hosting companies have to offer people out of the box not the WordPress paid version with all the crap in it but instead the neutered, you know, generic version that it always was. And if somebody wants to pay the money, great. Pay the money, get the, the fully jammed with junk version, and then go live with WordPress. But for the rest of us, the solution seems so simple. It's just keep open source open source with the rules that are fair for everybody and have WordPress.com be the thing that ends up in all their partners like GoDaddy and HostGator and Bluehost. Jam that stuff up the newbies' rear ends. And I just don't see why this is such a bad solution because like that's where it's going to end up anyway because if they force it too far, it, it's going to be the software to block that from happening or a fork. What else is the logical conclusion? On, it's going to be our last story actually because we've got, got on their recommendations. Ad blocking now about now. Naf, nash, naf, I don't know. How about nah? Nah, nah. So Spencer, what did you like about this story? Well, I mean, this is the same point, but in the ad blocker space, which is the the war of attrition of, right? Like, I do this every day, and I find this, like, hilarious. Being in the early days of the internet, we went through Flash, and then we went through, you know, like, Excite and Yahoo, and, you know, pop-up, 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 pop-up. And even though Lim's Cars is still around for a laugh, most of us have breathed a deep sigh of relief that when we go to websites, there aren't pop-ups. But what has taken its place is this ridiculous proposition that Chrome is integrated, essentially, advertisements so deep into it that a marketplace existed for putting ad blockers in. Well, that has caused like a political turmoil where now there's like, well, 
where's the motive lie? Because these are all bundled together in a tight thing. Well, certain laws and regulations were created that prevented nefarious behavior, but now that those things are bundled, that might put them at certain liabilities. So without getting long-winded, the battle is between the consumer protection laws that prevent people from getting stuff forced upon them anymore, and the fact that the browsers have all these things built into their model for advertisers. And so people are left with these ridiculous propositions as of this morning, where now I get pop-ups that say, so sorry, you're not privileged enough to walk, you know, look at our stupid article for, for free. So therefore, you have to either turn off your ad blocker or say bye-bye. And most of the time I say, fuck you and the horse you rode in on. And I just search the title in Google and guess where it shows up for free? In Google AMP mobile version. So I just read the article for free anyways. Double fuck you. Google. There you found a use for AMP. I'm just saying, it's like the whole yeah, thing is so like you found a use for AMP, didn't you? It's 2019 and I'm getting, I'm getting asked to give a dollar to read something from a hometown newspaper that then forces me to see a pop-up and then go search for the thing just to say F you and read it on Google AMP. Like, can we just avoid this and just get to a different model? I mean, that's it. Well, it's very annoying. I mean, I've, I've been to websites where they, where they basically said, oh, you have an ad blocker on. We're not going to, uh, uh, you know, we're not going to let you read this. And it's like, hey, if you would put ads on your site in such a way uh, as to like not make it unreadable, I would be willing to look at your ads. But the way you put ads on your site makes it impossible to read the text. Ridiculous. So how, about video, how about videos? Like the 30-second video that has a 30 to a one-minute, 30-second to one-minute ad. I mean, it's like, did anybody think about this? It's like, same on Roku. I love Roku, but if you watch Roku, you get these things like, if you want to watch an ABC TV show that just aired the evening before, not exaggerating, six to eight 20 to 30 second commercials every four minutes. I mean, there must be 14 to 20. It's unwatchable. And I think like, is there an executive somewhere that has watched this themselves and decided this is good for business? Because like we've reached the point of ridiculousness, not that dissimilar, by the way, in my opinion, to what happened with Excite Banners and Yahoo and everything else. It just became Las Vegas. Well, what do you reckon, Walton? I just think it's a sign of a broken business model. And yeah. No, basically, that's what it is, really. Kind of broken business model, yes. We have yet to figure out how to monetize the web in a responsible way. Advertising clearly doesn't work. Uh, well, we have. It's called spine. Well, <laughs> that's only accessible to people with large footprints. But, it, I mean, there was a story yesterday about how Facebook is trying to um, entice publishers to publish more content on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> exclusively like newspapers only publishing their content on Facebook and no, and not on their own sites. So there's, and who pays for that? Well, you pay for it with your uh, data and the psyops you get exposed to. So it's, um, it's a fundamental problem of the internet that we've tried to turn the internet into money and turn user travel users, just surfing the internet into money um, I don't know what the solution is going to be here. Paywalls are an extremely cumbersome issue, um, especially when you get to paywalls that exist in other countries because you'd have to like set up accounts in other countries under other jurisdictions. And sometimes they don't take payments from credit cards you own and stuff like that. Um, like I was in Germany and I couldn't, I couldn't pay for um, 
transit with my phone because the, phone, the app wouldn't allow any non-European credit cards. So I had to pay cash for transit because I didn't have a non-European credit card. Um, so there's a bunch of weird things like that. Um, the, the other part of this is no one is innovating in this space at all. Everyone is going, there's either advertising paywalls or crypto mining. But the crypto mining thing is hopefully going to die because it's terrible. Um, so that leaves us with two terrible options. And no one is thinking, maybe we should stop earning money like this at all. Like maybe we should figure out some other method. The only other thing I've seen that has any legs to it is um, what Brave is doing, uh, where they're saying that you accrue points by just using the browser and then you can pay those points back to the owners. But the problem is that requires Brave to be as big as Chrome, right? Otherwise, there's no value in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have ads on your podcast. I, I skip every ad on every podcast. So... I hope you don't skip mine. It's, of course I do. I, there's going to be ad blockers for podcasts. There's this notion that we can cram marketing information in the face of people so that they access to things. That access to things is just stupid. It doesn't work. We, we need to find new ways of monetizing it. And I think it relies on how to... <laughs> you're like falling off your chair. <laughs> the... I think what we need to do is where is the actual value and how do we turn that value into money and pay the people who deserve to be paid? Right, right, right fair enough. On to our recommendations. And I've got a recommendation. And it's, um, it's a YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's two hours long, though, but you can skip bits. And it's called Domination. Um, what's it about? Is you know over the past two years I've become virtually a non-eat meter because um, I found out the truth of industrial farming and the misery and the filth that these animals live in and the idea that you would feed any of this meat to yourself and to your children is mind-blowing because of the cruelty and the disease and the suffering that all these animals go through and this is not easy I would ask all my listeners and viewers to go and watch this Um, it's not going to be an easy watch but after you've watched it you will then understand what industrial farming when it's about livestock in America and Australia is really about which is just total suffering and disease product, which then they have the audacity to try and sell to you and your children and basically poison you. Um, So go and watch it and wake up. So, um, (laughs) so Morton, have you got something you want to share with the listeners and viewers? It's gone silent. Yeah. So there's this thing called meat. You should eat it. <laughs> while, I, while I think that you have a point, I would like to point out that generally speaking, the uh, documentaries that exist anywhere that are about the mishandling of animals very specifically talk about the mishandling of animals in the United States. No, this is Australia. And Australia. New Zealand there's, there's and, Can- and Canada. 
Yeah, so there's a reason why countries like Canada, for instance, have very strict regulations on what types of meats can be imported from the United States. And this is part of the reason for that. Um, the, that's not to say that meat production is not terrible. And dairy. That's also not to say that there aren't farmers who actually do this in a responsible and ethical well, way. Well, they're trying, but they, of those is growing. The larger problem here is, like everything else, that we are overproducing food to give to rich people and not to poor people and all that stuff. The, the uh, just stop eating meat thing is not a structured and functional solution to a larger problem because rich people stopping eating meat and going to Whole Foods and buying you know, $10 asparagus instead doesn't solve the problem because poor people are still forced to eat garbage food um, mm-hmm. because that's the only thing they can afford. A better solution would be to change our society in such a way that f- healthy food is the cheaper option. Right now, healthy food is the most expensive option. Yeah. So we can all stand on our high horse. What is your recommendation? I'm just astonished it's taken Jonathan this long to, to learn what factory farming is actually about. <laughs> I have no tip. I've, uh, I've known for over five years, uh, longer than that, the reality of industrial corporate, industrial corporate farming is. But I'm just saying to the viewers, if you go and watch this, the truth is really just put in front of you, the reality. You can't just dismiss it and just walk away. This film really puts it smack into your consciousness, the shit that they're trying to sell you. So, Spencer, what have you got a recommendation to the listeners and viewers? Totally killed my whole keto thing just with this whole conversation. But aside from that, uh, I'm going to recommend Tom McFarlane, along with JJJ or Triple J uh, and a few others, are is one of my favorite WordPress developers because he's been around a long time and he, without a lot of politics and yelling about it makes really clever solutions. So this one is turn off all admin notices. It's free on GitHub. It installs like a plugin and essentially it doesn't do stuff to hide or remove stuff in a, you know, fancy way. It just simply is probably a CSS JavaScript trigger that essentially with an admin top button turns off all of that stuff. That's we were just talking about like, well, update the jetpack and do this and you haven't done your license. Da, 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 da. And it's like with one elegant button, it just simply hides that whole block, call it a day. Because on a little techie note, I just want to say for anybody who's ever tried to turn this stuff off for their clients independently, nobody but nobody is abiding by the standards in the WordPress core that say you're supposed to have a dismissible button or that you dismiss it once and it goes away. And, and even when you look at the class IDs and selectors, like th- there is nothing in there that you can particularly select on any plugin that says shut the F up by way of CSS. They all are very clever that they just produce it automatically with JavaScript. So what this does is it just says shut the garage door on the whole mess and be done. So if anybody's struggling, this is one of the more clever solutions for it because you push it again, it opens up the whole, ah, and you just close it until you're done with it. I'll put it into chat. Make sure it's in chat, will you? So I'll make sure. So Chris, have you got anything to share with the listeners of yours? I do. I made a mistake of buying a $8 pair of earbuds at the pharmacy or whatever, and they, they lasted for about a week. So I got my second set of symphonized earbuds. They're actually made out of wood. They're about 30 bucks. I really like these things. I've, I've almost never found a pair of in-ear earbuds that actually fit in my ears. 
They have three different sizes. I actually like them so much. I got the um, you know, these two. Oh, I'll make sure it's in in the um, chat, will you? So mm. link, can you? So Sally, have you got anything you want to recommend to this? I do. I have a. Uh, it is a free plugin called Shortcodes Finder. Uh, if you have inherited a website that was built out of things that use shortcodes, uh, and you need to know like every place you're going to have to fix stuff before you can. Uh, you know, turn turn it into something usable. Uh, this is very useful. Or if you just want to know, I mean, I, I initially installed it on the installed it um, because I just wanted to be sure, like where all the gravity forms had been inserted, and uh, so whether you're planning to get rid of the short codes or you just need to know where they are, it's very handy. All right, and it works. Yes. Oh, great! I saw you. I saw that you put it into Slack. If you can put it, if you could put the link into chat, it would be much appreciated. That. Oh, thank you, Adrian. Got anything you want to recommend to the listeners of yours? I'm going to recommend Jetpack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm 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 just kidding. Um, uh, we listed Groundhog on Product Hunt. Yesterday. Oh, God, you can't put, you can't push your own plug. I'm not going to push my own plug, but we listed on Product Hunt yesterday. And ever since listing on Product Hunt, our traffic has literally been through the roof. And now we have 135 recommendations on that platform. So if you have a, a, a software as a service or a plugin or something, and you're not experiencing a significant amount of growth very fast, then you can go list yourselves on Product Hunt. And that may be able to help you uh, get a little nice boost of traffic for a little bit, get a couple of recommendations, get a couple of downloads. It's certainly been helpful for us in the last 24 hours. Yeah, that's great. Like I say, remember, listeners and viewers, don't buy that industrial meat. So, <laughs> well, thank you, panel. It's been a fascinating discussion. I'm sure I'm going to get some comments about this one. And we'll be back next week with another semi Well, the panel's going to be interesting. My stories and me isn't that interesting. But the panel's quite amusing. So we'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.